Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Mr. Hamburglar. Bravo, bravo. He said, of all the McDonald's burgers I've ever hamburgled, these are the hottest, juiciest, and tastiest. Rubble. Hurry in and enjoy one of our 350 bundles, like a daily double and small fries for a limited time. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any of the offer comparison of prior classic burgers. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Look at us both recording already. I know. Like, who would have know. known all those years ago that we'd both be recording already? I know that we would both own microphones. Oh, it's so crazy to own microphones. What a world. I know. Although you have a fancy booth. I just have it like a setup on my kitchen table. But it you should be noted. It should be noted that fancy, I mean it's <laughs> I know. I to, yeah. But it, you're it is but, a booth. But it is, and especially in these crazy times, you are able to oh, by the way, I'm talking to Will Arnett. Uh, you are able to, um, Will Arnett, the star of uh, the HBO documentary series, The Vow. Um, yeah. You're, you're in that, right? I'm also in the um, the new Pope. I'm in the new, new Pope. <laughs> the newest Pope. Yeah. Yeah. Coming at you. Um, <laughs> Poping at you. Um, I would make a great Pope, by the way. I'm not Catholic, but I would make a great Pope. In what sense? In the sense that I would just be like, okay, l- let's cut the bullshit because I know what how people look at the Catholic Church. When I and I'd be able to say, and this is controversial, I get it, but I'd say, guys, come on, let's cut the BS. We messed up a bunch. We've done a lot of shit, and now it's our turn to turn it around. If we want to save this thing, we got. It's pretty clear what we got to do. We, we, you know, and then you just go down the list. We got to endorse gay marriage. We have to, uh, uh, we, we can't oppose it. Like just all the right, stuff right. that just like make all the logical shit. Right. Like in, you know, there isn't some guy in the sky that cares what you do. Like no, that kind of thing. well, that would be number one. And <laughs> yeah. I get, and I get that I would get a lot of pushback on that. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of their thing. I know <laughs> it, it would it'd be like, it'd be like. It'd be like going into like a like a car company, like going to Ford and saying, "Hey, you can't make cars anymore, but <laughs> but I am going to turn this thing around. Yeah, we are going to make fudge from now on. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get rich on fudge. Now you're uh, you're out uh, in the Hamptons, right? You're in uh, New York. Uh, Long I, Island? I was on I was on Long Island. No, 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 I'm back. Oh, you are uh, back. You're in LA yep. again. I'm back in, in on the West Coast, as we call it, Andy. And um, it should be noted because we were in Long Island for a while. Um, I got your, I just got your baby present yesterday. Oh, last, really? Last night because it had gone out there and it got there. Back. It got there when we left, and then had to be sent back here. And so I just quite literally got my hands on it last night oh good well i'm glad you got and it so, th- so thank you very kindly it's a <laughs> beautiful welcome. silk blanket 
Yeah, it's a little um, silky. It's it's my kids were turned on to them at a young age. They're just like little satin blankets that babies love to like just hold on to like a super villain, like rubbing it between their fingers. And my daughter's 15. She still sleeps with hers. Well, but your daughter's a super villain, though. Well, she Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, she's, you know, she it's it's her island lair that she's sleeping in. But <laughs> right. um, yeah, on her big stash of nerve gas. Uh, it's weird that she wants to sleep at it. I, it doesn't seem comfortable to me. She's like, no, I, I derive great pleasure from sleeping on the nerve gas step piles. Um, well, that's good to have you back. How has the yeah. COVID world been for you? Especially oh, with been, the new baby. That's got to be weird. You- it's been awesome, Andy. What a great, what a time to be alive. I, you know, and the idea of welcoming a new child into this world oh, right yeah. now. It's just felt so, it's just really buoyed me up. Right. Um, well, it is, a lot of times when you have a baby, you feel like obliged to really care about what happens to him. But with this one, you don't have to. You know, this whole fucking place is going up in flames in, in no time. So it's like, ah, this kid, you know, he'll be more like a friend than a son. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he's, he's more like a fellow, like a fellow soldier. Uh, yeah, and- yep, exactly. He was like a born, helpless foxhole mate. Yeah, yeah. Who's just going to pull his weight, uh, you know, uh, and and hope not to get trench foot. Um, <laughs> I, um, it's been great, you know. I mean, look, it's been such a weird time, and and Denny's been such a blessing, and and uh, he's doing great. He was he came a little early, um, and classic we Arnett. <clears throat> I know. <laughs> so. <laughs> Don't tell everybody. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Everybody doesn't know that that's my hallmark. <laughs> um, and he he was born uh, May 27th, and it was you know um, you know right in the in the thick of the um, of you know the the sort of the COVID lockdown out here in California and and the and the you know the riots and and the protests and uh, it was just such a crazy time and. There was quite literally like smoke coming into the hospital and he was so little and we were nervous and we had this, it was just such a weird, yeah, bizarro time. And, but of course it was just, that's, it, it just was the time that it was and nothing yeah. we can do about it. We just sort of, um, you know, we're very lucky. So, um, and he's healthy and he sort of made it out. He was in the NICU for a minute and now he's out. And, um, so it's good, you know, it's that's uh, great. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. I can be. now. Wait, before you had an, another, because you have two boys who are like in their teens now, right? Well, uh, ten and almost twelve. Yeah, ten. Yeah, um, was it daunting the prospect of going back to Babyville? Y- yeah, I think that I, <clears throat> I glossed over it. I just was like, yeah, yeah, it's no problem. Yeah, yeah, I did it. I know what I'm doing. And then, it was, and then it hit, and I was like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Who told me this was a good idea? And, <laughs> and, uh, oh, that's right. My life is not my own. Yeah. Oh, it's like, fuck. What's, what's that noise? Oh, that's a crying. Who's crying baby? Is that? Oh, that's ours. <laughs> um, you know? Oh, boy. Yeah. I, obviously, and you've heard this so many times, people talk about it. It's like we were programmed as human beings to forget that. Yes. Um, yes. How, how hard it is, especially those first three months. Um. And, uh, uh, so I had forgotten and, uh, I mean, now that's all to, uh, it's actually been great and it's been okay, but it's just, whatever, it just takes its toll and it's hard yeah. and it's hard on your partner and it's been, um, but it's been, 
It's been good though. We, you know, we've, we've made it through and I kind of feel like we're just sort of like, ah, coming out of that first bubble. Yeah. Also he came out, he was really little and he was, uh, you know, like I said, he came out early. So that's scary and all that kind of stuff, but he's, it's great. It's Um, amazing when there's, cause you know, like different health issues that you have with your kids or scary moments that you have, especially when they're little, how they just, you, you don't even almost, and they seem so terrifying. And I mean, we had a couple with our kids and they're, but then when they're past, you're just like, you don't even remember it. You're like, oh yeah, right. There was yeah. that moment where we were terrified that the kid was going to die any moment, you know? Yeah. There are all those. Well, yeah, certainly. And then, and it keeps going too. I remember we were talking the other day cause like Archie's had so many stitches, uh, you know, he's not even 12 yet. And he, he started young. He was like maybe four and he, um, got like seven stitches in his forehead. Is a, and is he a daredevil or is he just kind of clumsy? You know? he's, he's not even, no, he's not even clumsy. He's got good coordination. It's just, he kind of flings himself at stuff physically. Oh yeah. Like he's just kind yeah. of like, he, he, he's the kind of kid he, and he quite literally does this. He runs one direction while he's looking back another direction. <laughs> and, and I'm always like, you know, you're really going to hurt work. yourself if you don't look yeah. where you're going. Uh, <laughs> And it's been <laughs> it's like a basic rule in the, yeah. in the, in the human user handbook. He, he last, uh, I forget how long ago it was. It wasn't, it was within the last couple of years he had to go, he ran in the kitchen, he ran into this chair and he ended up having to get stitches between his toes. It was, and, and he'd like, it was so gross. Ugh. And it, this was like the third or fourth time he'd gone for stitches. And this time we went in and the guy said, you, you know, and I've been there before where I've had to hold him down when he got him in his head and he's like four, I had to hold him while the guy was giving him stitches and he's screaming in my, like looking into my eyes going, dad, why are they, why are you doing this? And I'm like, oh God, it's so painful. Your kids, yeah, yeah. you know? So by the time he's like 10 and getting the stitches in his foot and the doctor goes, um, you can come in, but we can do it. And, and you know, my nurse can hold, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I, I'm like, I don't need any more right. trauma at this point. Right, I've done sure. it. I've already held him four times. He already rem- associates sheer terror with my face. Yeah. Yeah. So and also daddy, why are, why are they, why are you doing this to me? Cause you keep fucking up kid. <laughs> I mean, for Christ's sake. What do you mean? Why are we doing this? Look at your Cause, toe. Cause you're acting like a zero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you're a loser, a loser. Uh, and no, I'm I just, just telling you, I'm just telling you what my dad told me. You're a loser. <laughs> well, and at least too, it's like he's getting the webbing of his toes stitched, so no one's going to think that you were abusing him. <laughs> right, right. Know, like what kind of what kind of child abuse is that? We picked will, a really good spot that yeah, nobody would see. <laughs> I will rub a piece of paper between your toes, son. Oh God, it was so painful too. Poor guy, he actually know, missed a school trip. It's I was. I was one of those kids that was, I, you know, knock, I cut my head open, you know, like pushing back on a high chair and hit a bookcase, broke my leg, broke my thumb, you know, tons of stitches from cuts and shit, you know, just, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't do that stuff until I was like later. Like I broke my kneecap. I like, um, I got a fracture in my kneecap when I was like 18. Ooh. And then, yeah, and I ended up having, and I had knee surgery in my other knee. Like, everything happened kind of later for me, which I saved it for adulthood for when it really hurt and I could yeah, remember yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, when your body can't bounce back as well. Oh, my God. I'm yeah. so, I turned 50, Andy. 
Oh, really? Me. Can you believe it? Me. I'm, it's not fair. The guy I mean, who's I, like the I've young been, guy. I've been 50 for 15 years. I know. I know. <laughs> I remember on your 40th when we went away, you, me, and, and Canton Giles, and uh, when you turned 40, and when you, on your 40th, you turned 50. That's how. <laughs> I did. It was weird. You got to see it. Yeah, we went away. That's right. Uh, on my yeah. 40th birthday, we had a boys weekend yep. of uh, playing golf. Yeah, and eating uh, steak. And then because, because yeah, golf and steak, and because uh, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I, I, two of you, two of you are sober. Yeah, like you just sat and watched me drink. Like order another one, and <laughs> then you, you just gotta... watch me like like you were old men watching me jerk off for you or something. <laughs> I knew you're going to say that, and I remember you were like a couple drinks in, and we were so enthusiastic. We we're like, Andy, get more, and you were like, you were kind of mad. You were like. You guys just want to watch me drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, it did feel like, you know, it had nothing to do with, you know, my panache. Like the way that I drank, it was just the drinking. You could have been watching anybody. I felt I like it just, it took all the romance out of it. <laughs> it was such a, that was fun. <laughs> that was God. a fun weekend. That yeah, was really fun. Well, now you, luckily, you have dual citizenship, do you not? I do, yeah. So you can bug out of here, you know. I can head back to the homeland and any I can just yeah. scoop up all the kids and just go. Or maybe I'll leave them. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, come on. Just, new country. I mean, new yeah. old country, new slate. Start over. Yep. I'm just yep. going to go back and then I'll go do one of those surgery. I'll change my face. Right. And and I'll just, you know, and I'll go work at a Tim Hortons in back in Canada and I'll just forget it all. Right. Well, you why know? are you getting a new face? You should just like become Drake. Oh, that's a good idea. You know, you go to Toronto and you're and you go there as Drake. You'll be set. I would be if I was. You're right. If I was Drake in Toronto, forget it. How good would that be? Yeah, I don't have to work. I'd buy Tim Hortons <laughs> if I was Drake. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if I Drake met, owns any Tim Hortons. I met that guy once. He seemed really nice. I was coming out of, uh, I was waiting outside of a hotel in Toronto <clears throat> at like six in the morning in dead of winter to do some press for something. And and um, so they're like, Your, the car service is going to come down. And, I, and it was like, maybe it was even like 545. So it was like still dark and it was snowing yeah. heavily. And this this SUV pulls up, and I and there's nobody else in front of the hotel because it's early and it was desolate. And I thought, well, that's definitely free. And I went out; it was freezing. And I get out, and I'm about to like just grab the door and get in, and the door opened, and Drake got out. <laughs> and and it was like, oh, sorry. I thought he was like, hey, what's up? And I was like, hey, man. And we started chit chatting, and uh, which was cool. And then and then the guy said, no, and then I got a text at that moment saying, no, your car's few minutes late, you can go back up and chill out. And I was like, oh, great. So I walked back in, and then we had like a, not awkward, but we had like an elevator ride. I guess at the yeah. time he was living at that hotel. And so we get in the elevator together, and then he was like, um, we should hang out sometime. And I was like, totally we should. And then he got out. Right. And that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my number is, you know. <laughs> Don't Drake you want to take my number? I'm sure Drake is listening to this. Drake, reach out. Drake, definitely reach out. My number yeah. is 555-1212. People don't do that joke anymore, Andy. They don't. They don't. And they should. They should. It's a good one. Klondike 5. That was the, that was the old version. Murray Hill 34. <laughs> Did you ask Drake at all about Degrassi? That's what I, I would be want to know. I didn't. I thought that 
I thought that it, if I if I opened with that, he'd be like, "Okay, this clown wants to come in." <laughs> you know, this guy has no appreciation at... for my music. Uh, yeah, he yeah. wants to bring up much Degrassi. Like, much like when Jimmy was in Degrassi, no one really cared about his music that much. <laughs> Nobody did. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, he he was in Degrassi, and uh, what's cool, you know, Drake has stayed in Toronto. He is an icon in Toronto. And yeah. he stayed, and he stayed there, and he's built this huge house, and he's just like Toronto, and and uh, I get it. Toronto is actually a great place to live. I've spent a lot more time there in the last couple of years. Um, all joking aside, like, have I had moments where I thought like maybe I'd go back? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I've yeah. Few, I've had a few moments like that, and I and I like what Drake's done, and I think that I like that he has brought attention to Toronto, and that he's kind of tried to you know promote the music scene in toronto i think it's kind of cool um, yeah again this is i think he and i should be friends right right um he also and, he brought an nba title to toronto that's really he, something he did bring yeah. <laughs> i don't i guess he did he sure did right without drake that would not without drake aubrey graham that would not have happened I would love you to get on one of those morning drive sports shows and argue with with some of those sports <laughs> assholes, and you'd be like, "Who cares about the? Who is Drake's doing? <laughs> he brought right now, I right, don't know, like a hip hop flair to an otherwise white northern city." We got Andy Richter on the phone here with Boston Sports. Uh, all right, yeah, you know what? I'm just calling in Andy. Fuck you, fucking Drake. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Now, I get, you know, there's people that do like a little bit of research uh, for this show. I think it's Wikipedia. I mean, come on. What do you want? Nobody yeah. makes any money at this. Oh, you sure. Know, you got a podcast. You know how yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, it, but I saw something that like you got kicked out of boarding school, which mm-hmm. I was, I mean, because I know so much about you, but sure. I didn't know that you got kicked out of boarding school. Did you not know that? No. Have we never what talked happened? about this? No. I mean, unless you don't want to talk about it. No, no, it's fine. Here's the thing. I, cause I still can, they had a problem with class A drugs. And, and for me, (laughs) now, and, and this is uncool. Way to go, narc. And I don't want to get into a bunch of lawyers. No, no, no. We, so first of all, I always contend that I wasn't kicked out. And this is a very sort of fine distinction to make, but, uh, I was asked not to come back. Oh, right. Okay. So I wasn't kicked out like mid year. Uh, I finished 10th grade and they said, you know, handshake, like we're good here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck off now. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm out. And, uh, you know, I'd gone, I was, I went to boarding school when I was 12. Wow. Um, which I now, I now realize, you know, having my own kids, how young that is. Yeah. Um, it was a different time. It was a different era. It was different. You know, I don't know. In Canada at that time and whatever, I, I, I think that there were, I went to a school that there was um, very sort of um, much more of an old school sort of English style boarding school in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, how, far from, these, how far from home? A couple hours yeah. north of Toronto. Yeah. Up up in the in the woods or. Where they um, can't hear you scream. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, to be honest, at first when I went, I was excited to go. Um because not that I necessarily wanted to go get away from home. I was just excited. I was 12. It was like, yeah, I'm going to go to like camp. 
yeah, you know, yeah. In, in a way, like I'm, I, they have a lot of sports there, and you're kind of outside, and you it, and it was an outside uh, outdoor oriented school. Like they didn't have a gymnasium, um, they had no indoor sports. It was all, um, you know, it, it was kind of like uh, what they have here in this uh, kind of uh, outward bound. Oh, really? Kind of like, cool. Yeah, yeah. So like by the time you get to like ninth, tenth grade, like you'd get graded on things like winter camping and uh, and running rapids in a canoe and stuff like that. That was your <laughs> PE grade. Wow. Yeah. So we had school and then you had a lot of outdoor shit like that. Right. And you had to rappelling down. So it was. Well, it is Canada. It's Canada. You got to be rugged. I dug it, man. Like we went away, like the whole school would go on a thing called Expedition Weekend where the entire school went on a canoe trip. Um, And they would stagger everybody out in groups and stuff. And you'd go on these lakes way out. And it was like, I don't know. That's pretty fucking cool. Um, That is cool. And now it's all boys or is it co-ed? It was at the time all boys. It's now co-ed. Okay. Um, so again, so initially I was into it and then, yeah, I, there came a point where I wasn't as into it. Um, because you know, 12 is one thing, then you're 16 and you know, on the weekends, like you want, there, there were no, I mean, we have weekends, but like there was nothing to do and you were way up there and you couldn't do anything. You weren't allowed to like go out. And yeah. we, we wanted to go out and hang out with girls and do all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I started getting in trouble. I started, you know, smoking butts in the woods and, uh, you know, doing, you know, having a little, little drinky poo here and there and, and then getting in trouble. Yeah. Um, and my parents, to their credit, realized that I'd sort of outgrown it and that it wasn't great for me. It wasn't a great environment. And so um, I went home. I came back to, to Toronto. Yeah. And was it um, weird to come back home? I mean, when you've been away, I mean, I know you're home for the summer, I, I assume. Y- yeah. Yeah. Of course. But is, is it cause like I, you know, my first two years of college, I went away and then I transferred to a school in Chicago and then like had to go back and live with my mother. And mm. it was like, that was a bummer. You know, like I had been out for two years and then came back home and I was like, Oh fuck. You know, yeah, was it that think- kind of feeling a little bit, a little bit. I think it was a little bit, and it had been so Lord of the Flies that I came back and I was like, I'm the boss now, you know? Oh, boy. <laughs> and, oh, um, boy. No, that's not true. That's I've bit, seen but, you like that with a maitre d'. It's not pretty. Because they never give me the table I demanded <laughs> that I deserve, yes. Andy. Um, but, yeah, it was weird coming back. It was yeah. weird, and I think that, um, I you know, I came back – I guess I was like 16 or whatever. And then by the time I was 20, I moved to New York. So it was really, it was really only like four years. Um, and i really never thought about it that way, actually, until this moment, like th- that adds up, I guess, sort of in a lot of ways, mentally, I was already out of the house. And yeah, um, yeah. so by the time well, I left and moved to New York and I was 20, I, that wasn't really that scary to me. Yeah. You know? What was just to go back a little bit? What was what was the motivator? I think like did the rest of your siblings because you got three siblings, you got sisters yeah. and a brother, two older sisters and a younger brother. Yeah, had they gone to boarding school too? I no, mean, was it just no? Some, what What was the motivation with you just to get you out of their fucking hair? First of all, yes, for sure. Um, because you've he known me a long time. Talking. I'm a handful, Andy. You know that. <laughs> a delicious handful. Uh, sure. And I, I think like trail they, mix. <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, I'd been at a school in Toronto, this uh, called the Toronto French School, which was a very 
um, it, it was a very sort of as schools should, good schools should be. It was very academic oriented, and it was very <laughs> demanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a it was a school that was really sort of confectionery oriented. Uh, no, <laughs> it was um, named after French Stewart from Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> which I didn't know. About, the curriculum was all his career, which was crazy because the show hadn't even come out yet. Um, <laughs> but but they so I'd gone to a school that was very much uh, about um, very stringent and very tough academically, and I think that there was a lot of burnout. Certainly my sisters had burnout too, and they were really good students and it was tough. I mean, I remember in fifth grade, I took, uh, for a semester, I took Russian. Um, they broke down like the, the in sciences. Fifth grade, Wow. Yeah. And, and, and they took, they did, they broke down uh, all the sciences into the different, uh, you know, physics and chemistry and biology in fourth grade, you had exams and you had to study. It was really rough. And I, I think at that point, my parents realized like that, I, that was not going to hold my interest that I was like, I'm blowing out of this joint and I'm not. Yeah. And so that was part of the reason that I went to a school that was much more kind of well-rounded and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and my brother was quite, is, is almost 10 years, my junior. And I think that, uh, probably, I guess he was like two when I left and I'm sure my mom was like, I can't deal with you and a baby. Uh, you know, and your older sister. I, I think there was, there were a lot of things. Send the um, baby away. Uh, I you know. know. That's he's what I kept stra- saying. He's the stranger. That's what I kept saying as I was holding him over the railing. <laughs> we're getting rid of the baby, right? Andy. Come on, there's the, an awning below. Look, it doesn't take, you don't have to go to therapy to realize I was the baby for almost 10 years. And then he came along. Mm, you how know? dare he? I yeah. know. So, uh, mm. but anyway, I, you know, I think my parents were really just trying to find a solution so that I could be okay and, um, yeah. and God bless them. And, 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 um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely weird. And then I came back and my sisters went to college and I was, and again, I was just like, I wanted to do something else. And, um, I just never wanted to be where I was. Um, yeah. Did you go yeah. to a regular high school then? I I went to a what they call an alternative high school for the first couple of years, and I graduated from regular high school. Okay. Uh, so I I went to three high schools. Oh wow! Um, but it was, again, it was kind of okay. I went to this high school for a while that, that was run by my uh, close friend of the family, my godmother, and and uh, she ran this really cool that was run by the Toronto. It was a public high school, but it was. I could take theater classes and get credit for it. And I had my own kind of curriculum and there were no actual classes. Wow. I had to do all the, I just had to do all the work and have one-on-one. It was very cool. And again, it was, um, they'd been doing it for a few years by the time I got there in the Toronto board of education, you know, liberal Canada, way to go Uh, liberal Canada, uh, looking, looking for new ways for kids to get educated. That might be great. Right. How dare they? Thinking of the kids first. I know. Bunch of jerks. Um, and it was, actually, that was a really great environment for me. Um, yeah. And I, I did very well there. And it was uh, it was awesome. But um, you didn't graduate from there? No, because I, I couldn't get all the necessary. Um, it, was, it was basically because I couldn't get all the credits I needed. To get to I college? I, yeah, I think I needed yeah. to get like some, or to graduate. I needed a certain math and stuff that they didn't offer at that uh, school. Um so I had to go and finish at the, for one semester at this other school. Did you go to college at all or did you just I went, head off to New York? I went briefly. Uh, I went for uh, one semester 
uh, to Concordia University in Montreal. Yeah. And and then um, I remember. Not cold, call- enough in, not cold enough in Toronto for you? You know, I had to get to Montreal where it's real cold. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous uh, there. It's re- And then I went back. The next time I went back to Montreal was when we were shooting Blades of Glory and, and I was wearing a leotard and uh, <laughs> chasing Will, you know, Farrell outside and, and freezing. Um, anyway, I remember calling my dad and saying, like, I went to college and I remember thinking at the time I was with a lot of people I'd grown up with. And uh, uh, some are at Concordia, and a lot of them were at, at McGill, where both my sisters went. And I remember kind of looking around and having this moment. And everybody's just doing what they're doing in college. And they're having a good time. They're studying, but they're having a really good time. And Montreal is a great party city. It's a great and town. It's unreal. And yeah, we're, and I was having a lot of fun, too much fun. I really wasn't doing much school. And I kind of looked around, and I thought, I did have this moment where I went, I'm, I'm just going through the motions i'm wasting my time here this is a waste of time and maybe these people are not wasting their time not for me to say but i can't do this this is gonna where am i gonna go if i just keep doing this i don't see any and i called my dad and i basically said that and um my dad's been awesome throughout my life and a lot of times i didn't even realize until later and i look back of how many how great my dad has been. And he, I think that he could have had gone one of two ways. He could have thought, wow, you're such a fuck up and stick with it and know you got to stay in college and do, do, do. And he really heard me and he went, okay. Yeah. And he said, come on home and uh, get a job. And if you want to go to, um, and he goes, what do you want to do? And I said, I think I want to go to New York. I really think I want to do this acting thing. And he said, well, then you better come home and make the money so that you can go. Um, He wasn't, he was like, I'm not, I'll pay for you to go to college. I'm not going to pay for you to go do that. Um, Ray, yeah. Uh, I'll help That's you. That's really oh. a credit to your dad too, because he's, he's not like, uh, you, you know, a, a mosaic artist. He's a business guy. Yeah. Like he's yeah. a lawyer, right? A mm-hmm. lawyer and a business guy. And, you know, and I, you know, a lot of, I don't know, maybe it's just my mind of business guy type dads would be like, no, you need to get into business. Because, I mean, even my mom is as supportive as she was. You know, she was in sales and she's like, you should just, when I was struggling, you know, like when I was making no money and trying to do this for a living and not podcasting. Who the fuck knew there was such a thing? Um, What day uh, you will podcast, Andy? (laughs) I don't know what it is, Mom, but I want to podcast. It sounds dirty. It probably is. Um, But... uh, (laughs) She was like, you should just get into sales. She'd be so good at sales, which is basically like saying, like, you should just, like, pour cancer into your soul. Like, that was what it sounded like to me. Like, get into sales. Like, oh, you mean die? Are you saying I should just die? Get fitted. Fitted for what? Fitted for the Smith & Wesson you're going to put in your mouth. (laughs) But anyway, so kudos to your dad. That's really, I love it when parents are like, yeah, whatever. Do it, you, you know. Yeah, I mean, and, it, and by the way, and 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 by extension, of course, my mom too. Um, they they were very supportive in that way. I mean, it wasn't obviously there was friction in those times, and when and you they were worried about their kid and what's he is he is you know this is potentially the road to ruin. This, yeah, for this for this we might kid. be we might be facilitating a major fuck up. Yeah, a major yeah. major fuck up, and um, but. 
yeah, he, he really, he really heard me. And, you know, I, I, I look back, my dad, as you said, my dad is a fairly, he's not conservative, but he, he was a corporate lawyer for many, many years. And then he went into business for one of his clients and he ran that business and he just did a lot of sort of those. And he lived, he lived and operated in a very serious world that had very, um, it very set boundaries and, and, you know, you do that, you do X and Y and, and you'll get to Z. And yeah. I think that, um, there were times though, where he really, uh, was able to think outside that and, and understand. Um, and it wasn't until years later, it was actually a couple of years ago where I actually was able to kind of say to both my parents, I really appreciate that. I know that my life is unorthodox to you. And I really appreciate that you've been able to roll with me on it. Yeah. It's meant, it's meant a lot to me and that I'm very happy that I was able to actually say that to them while they're still alive. Yeah. Um, cause I do plan on murdering them. <laughs> I well, want to announce on the podcast. I'm excited only, to say there could only be one. There could only be one. <laughs> no, but it truly, I, you know, and, um, and my mom has always been very supportive too. I will say in, in, um, not in any, any way like you're going to go and do something and whatever. She wasn't like that. You're going to be all, a star. Yeah, I can't wait. Not at all. Like, yeah. you know, there, there's a lot of like also like tough love on that too. Like, you know, even when things go great, kind of like, um, you know, she, it, it's hard. She's, she can be stingy with a compliment. Let's put it that right, way. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and she, you know, they know you too. Like the, your people yeah. know you. So like, even when things are going good, if there's something that's like not quite right, they yeah. know that too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So what, when you, you're 20, you go to New, well, and also too, kudos to your dad for saying like, you better come home and make some fucking money, you know? Cause again, that's like, yeah, you know, to just say like, all right, son, I'll write you a check and you go to New York. Oh boy, that's a dangerous. No, thing. my dad, you know, my dad came from, my dad came from very little. Both his parents were teachers in, in Ew. Manitoba. And Ew. I know, I know. Gross. Like the least honorable profession. Mm. Teachers. My dad's, my dad's dad, my grandfather, uh, Emerson Arnett, he started the Manitoba Teacher Society like a, so he's a teacher and he started a union, Andy. Oh my God. So, so that teachers could be treated fairly right. and all that kind of stuff. Well, thank Terrible. God his son went to the boardroom. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, you know what? What's interesting is my dad was always, my grandfather died when I was quite young, my dad's dad, and um, which was a pity because I never got to really know him that well. And by all accounts, he was a really cool, great guy. And my dad felt a lot of guilt about sending me to, and his kids to private school. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that it kind of went against a lot of, you know, my dad had nothing. Um, my dad met my mom the first time he was, you know, my mom was at a, grew up in Winnipeg and then they w would go to the lakes, to Lake of the Woods. And they, all these people had, you know, b these big cottages and my mom's family had a big cottage. And my, my mom met my dad at a party. My dad was a boat boy for a rich family. <laughs> they used to have this, this a position boat of boy. boat boy. Wow. Yeah. And Which was mostly was, a sex thing, I got to imagine. No, fully a sex thing. Oh, okay, and, okay. Yeah, by then it was just a full-time sex job. Right, right. No, it was, you know, he was like the guy who, because they had these elaborate, old, and beautiful, uh, 
you know, places on these lakes with these boat houses and they'd have these old mahogany boats and you that constant upkeep, up constant yeah. upkeep. And then he had to go and get groceries and do all that kind of stuff. And it was like a summer job, you know? And so that's, and my mom, my dad was kind of like the poor kid who was working, working the job as the boat boy. Yeah. And, and then he's this kid and he goes to, uh, university and in, in, in school in Winnipeg. And then he gets a scholarship to Harvard and he goes to Harvard uh, based on his, uh, on his smarts, not like, um, you know, uh, you know, a lot of kids who, who go with, uh, I, what I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring up Kushner cause I'm trying to be current. Um, <laughs> I thought you were anyway, going for Conan. Oh, oh, forget Conan. I know. I know. I mean, they just, that was just a redhead quota. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, uh, so anyway, so, so, uh, uh my dad was, he was a a self-made guy in every yeah. sense. And I remember when I went to, when I went to school with all, you know, this boarding school and there were a lot of really some fancy people who went to that school, including, uh, Felipe, who was then the prince and he's now the king of Spain. Wow. Um, yeah. And I knew him, which is weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you and, think uh, he, do you, are you, have you kept in touch with the king of Spain? Yeah. 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 I'm the, I'm the official jester at the uh, <laughs> Spanish court. No, but I mean, if you like, if you like, bumped into him at something would he would he be like hey i went to school with you yeah 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 Felipe? no he'd remember yeah, yeah yeah for sure i i actually a couple of years ago was going to madrid for again for some press thing i do a lot of press andy i know well and, you're in um, all kinds of stuff uh, and, uh, i hate you i know i know you do oh i'm nothing but envy <laughs> green with envy <laughs> i was i got from a, a guy who was his roommate uh, a way to get in touch with them. And then I ended up going and I couldn't do it. Um, yeah, yeah. I was too busy for the King. Um, uh, <laughs> sorry, King. Sorry. Sorry. I got, too much. I got a photo shoot. Um, <laughs> and um, for Lego Batman, <laughs> so, I'm Lego Batman King. Sorry. Like, Wait, it's just your voice. Why would they photograph you? <laughs> Which by the way, Ricky Gervais always says to me, like, we joke around, and he's like, I don't know why you'd need to be in shape as a voiceover artist. <laughs> I was like, fuck you. Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, you know, um, so anyway, so I went to school with a lot of these fancy types, and I remember one time there was some kids were going to go on this trip, and my dad, my da I always had a job, like, on Christmas break, and when I'd come home and in the summer, when a lot, a lot of these kids did not because they were super wealthy, and my dad would be like, I remember they were going kids were going on a trip and I said, can I go? And he said, no. And I said, well, so-and-so and so-and-so are going. He goes, yeah, well, they're going to be losers. And uh, you're not. And he basically was saying, like, you got to come home and fucking realize you got to earn it. Yeah, yeah. And these kids can go and have a free ride, but that's not going to lead to good things. And I, at the time, remember being, like, so mad about it. Yeah. And, and all these years later, I realized, what if, what an, unbelievable gift my dad gave me with that yeah um he really did it was such a gift um do you think you'll do that with your kids will you no way <laughs> sorry let, let, finish the question go ahead finish the question no because i mean i i i'm right there with you you know midwestern nobody really had any money i mean we weren't poor nobody ever you know i mean yeah. obviously nobody went hungry um but uh uh, I, I always would like 
because I was working when I was 12 years old. I had a paper route and then I was working for my family's family businesses. And I mean, and it was like three different ones. It was plumbing, kitchen, and then my uncle had a, you know, a a office supply, like he built lockers and pallet racks and things like that. (laughs) So, I mean, my youth was just riding around in a truck or crawling under a house or, you know, and I always felt with my kids, like they're going to, you know, they're going to learn to eat shit just like I did. No, I mean, but like there, cause there is something about having to work that gives you a real idea of what I do think is the reality of the world, which is there is a lot of time when, and I don't want, I, I certainly don't want my kids to be submissive, but there are times when you just have to do something unpleasant because you're, there's some other thing at the end, other end of it, like whether it's to make money or, you know, whatever, that's just the way it is. But like my son's 20 and he's, he's never really had a job. Like, you know, he, Mm. we're getting to the point where I think he really should. And he's done lots of kind of volunteer things. Um, You know, like he, for a long time was doing, um, environmental work with the group tree people here, which mm-hmm. is like, oh, they, yeah, you yeah. know, they, they clear trailheads and they plant trees and stuff. And he, he did a lot of stuff with them, but it was always just like to, for him to get a job, it always felt like he went to a pretty demanding school. He had a lot of school work and it just kind of never got there. And it wasn't, and I'm not the kind of dad that's going to be like, you get $40 and then, you know, like, yeah, well, you know, I mean, and they don't live a lavish lifestyle, but it's kind of like, eh, well, you know, I don't. Well, it's tough. You love your kids and you want them to be happy, so then you're like, well, I want to provide and let them do this and stuff. Yeah, and then, yeah. But what is the balance of what's good for them and what's not? And I remember, well, two things. I don't know what it's going to be like. I, this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. About what am I? What kind of experience do I want my kids to have? And and am I? You know. My kids are really uh, lucky in a lot of ways um, in, in, you know, their parents have, have worked a lot and, and, and done relatively well. And so they have a lot of opportunity and I want to make sure that that opportunity doesn't hurt them in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a good friend of mine who's a producer and he, a couple of years ago, his son was in college and he said, um, forget what the circumstances, but it was some sort of version of, well, he's doing this and it was the summer and he was like, he's doing this and he's just kind of hanging around and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you, how old, how old is your son? He, at the time he was like 20. I said, you gotta make him come back home and get a job. Don't, he grew up with a lot of rich kids. Yeah. His dad does really well. I said, I'm telling you, if I've learned anything, just do it. If he's having this moment, the best thing you can do is make him earn it right now himself. It, you're showing him how to live a life. Yeah, you were saying like you give your kid money because you know you want to show him that he he should earn it, whatever. But what the the thing is the experience. You, you know you yeah. can't you can't buy that kind of experience. And yeah. Jason was saying Bateman on the on the show the other day on our podcast that that. I said, have you ever had a real job, like a real world job? And he said, no. And he said, I really wish I'd had. And I, I can see that he, he was kind of, cause he's, we've talked about it before and we were talking about shit jobs. I was, you know, I tree planted uh, for a summer. Um, we got seven cents a tree up in Northern Ontario Wow. and, and attacked by black flies. And we, it was just a horrible, crappy job, sleeping yeah. in tents. It 
sucked. Yeah, yeah. But that experience, I've, I've always taken that with me. I I, I, re, I used to replace uh, water main and, and sewage pipe with this and would take out the old pipe and bust it with a sledgehammer in a hole. Yeah. And I did that for five months. That fucking sucked. Yep. Uh, but, you know, the experience, incredible. Yeah. And it makes you appreciate, too, like the times when you might want to get crabby on a movie set because you have to wait or something like that. You of know? course. Yeah, yeah. That's why I always laugh, too, when you hear when I, I love the sort of the refrain of, uh, you know, you know, liberal uh, left coast, west coast, uh, uh, you know, elites or whatever, you know, Hollywood. And I'm like, fuck you, bro. I fucking earned everything. I didn't have any success doing what I'm doing until I was 33. Yeah. All I did was fucking work a million jobs. All I fucking did was was work hard. And and or and people will say, "Well, yeah, well you grew up a rich kid. Fuck off." I fucking yeah. earned everything. I didn't I wasn't given fucking anything. You right. can suck it. There's not uh, yeah, I mean if you bust it up <laughs> sewer pipe. That's not like there's not a lot of there's not a lot of LA kids doing that. No fucking way. And yeah. there are not a lot of people, period, yeah, you know, yeah. who would take that. It's a tough job. It sucked. Yeah. I had to, I was so broke, I had to ride a bike five miles to the shop to get to then get assigned onto one of the crews at the thing. So I'd ride my bike five miles. It wasn't like a fucking joy ride. It was in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And I'd ride a bike and then get on the truck and go and bust pipe for 12 hours and then come home. Yeah. And and I my arms were so sore that I couldn't fucking lift and and all I do is go home and get into bed and pr- and fall asleep. Yeah, yeah. And just pray that the nightmare would be over. Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is something and and there also too is like I find cuz I look back on like when I worked for a moving company and and I would I would realize cuz I was also trying to start to get into film production at that time. And I, you know, I'd work for, you know, 10, 11 hours moving and then I'd get on the bus and be going home and just be a sweaty, filthy mess. But I would feel like, okay, but it's done. Like, I don't, I don't, there's like, I don't need to think about that now. Like that's behind me. And I could sort of, there's still, there are times, not so much now, because now is weirder than any other time in the world. But when I've, when I'm like longed for like, just the simplicity of like, the job of a house painter like you go you paint the house and then you go home and you're not a house painter anymore you don't have to worry about the next day painting the house it's like no. it'll be there you know i i my sort of fantasy moment that takes me away sometimes is i remember i had this like studio apartment on 21st street in new york um that i lived in for years and all i had was I had a um, futon, not even a full futon, just the mattress yeah. on the floor. On the floor. During, on the floor that during the day I would roll up because uh, it was studio. So my bedroom was also my living room. Yeah. And I, I'd roll it up. And then I had a I, I had a tiny TV that somebody gave me. I, I didn't have cable. Actually, I stole cable, I think. Shit, that's a federal offense, isn't it? Um, it's okay. The statute of limitations, because you're really old now. So that was a while ago. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it was on a board between two milk crates. And, um, but it was a very simple time in my life. I had no responsibilities. I was a young man. And uh, there are moments, you know, when things, you know, where I look back and I go, I didn't realize how good I had it. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. Other people, people listening to, I, and I always, this is the problem with like talking about this kind of stuff is there's people listening to this who have a TV between two milk crates who are like, fuck you, you know? But yeah, but they can say fuck you. But the thing is I did too. Yeah. Yeah. So like, uh, you know, that's not some disingenuous, like it's not some romantic notion. I know. Cause I've saw it in a picture. Right. I fucking had it and I ate cereal three meals a day. So you, they can go fuck themselves. Wow. Yeah. You hate poor people. No, I hate your listeners because they're so mean. (laughs) Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Hi, I'm John Lovett, host of Love It or Leave It. Every week, I'm joined live on stage by incredible guests to break down the biggest and dumbest stories in politics and pop culture. And now, because there's too much news for just one show, join me and my friends, also known as beloved producers who have to be there, every Tuesday for a rundown of the latest headlines to help get you through another flawless week in our perfect society. Listen to episodes of Love It or Leave It wherever you get your podcasts, or catch the funniest moments on the Love It or Leave It YouTube channel. I'm Phoebe Judge, host of the podcast, This Is Love. Stories about love and all of the surprising forms it can take. Like a man who finds a baby on a subway platform. A woman who spends most of her time alone until a fox starts coming around. And in one of my favorite episodes, we meet a man who forgot his wife and had to get to know her and fall in love all over again. Listen to new episodes of This Is Love wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm comedian Eliza Schlesinger, and I've got my podcast, Ask Eliza Anything, where you can submit me your burning life questions, and I will give you real advice. Go to Denver, be young, get you a black lab named Bailey, and she'll be like, well, then just have it anyway, and then you'll be like, it tastes like blood, please don't. We moved. We moved, and my husband died. I'm not here. I died, too. You know, when people's like, happy holidays from the Thompsons, what they're really saying is, look how great we look. We're all still alive, and we're all wearing blue jeans. You're looking at us. Listen to Ask Eliza Anything wherever you get your podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Well, now, but you do. You go off to New York City, 20 yeah. years old. Yeah. That, yeah. What was that like? Did, would, was it party time? Did you have any connections to anybody? Did you go no. there completely alone? Completely, completely alone. With a cardboard I mean, suitcase, got off the bus, yeah, and immediately which, got into sex work? I didn't, I, I, well, I got into the sex work a little bit before it kind of prelapsed a little bit before I got there on the okay. bus on the way there. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 I always love this story about, uh, Steve Martin in inducting, he was Lauren Michaels was getting some award and Steve says, uh, Lauren Michaels moved to New York from Canada with nothing but the shirt on his back. And a cool million bucks. <laughs> <laughs> that always made me laugh. It's yeah. so funny. Um, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know a soul. I moved to I moved to New York. I was twenty. It was um, the summer of nineteen ninety, and um, going to I, acting classes. Right. That was and the- I, and to go to acting uh, at, at uh, Lee Strasberg, 
in New York. And, um, you know, I got to know people and, and, you know, through that, you know, and and those people made some great friends back in those days. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's how it started. I just started doing that. I, I didn't have much of a plan. I probably should have had more of a plan. I didn't other than just go and do this and just kind of take it step by step. And I did that and it took a number of years and it wasn't until about a few years later, I through this kind of way off Broadway show that we did. I went to meet an agent and um, an agent came to see it and said, come in and talk to us. And I went to meet them at the old William Morris and um, this, uh, this agent said, Oh, you should go and talk to our voiceover department. And I was like, what's that? And, uh, they said, you know, like the voices you hear on commercials and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh yeah, I guess I never really thought that that, yeah, right. There are voices on, cause I was so dumb. You know, how dumb yeah, I, yeah. Am. I do. Oh, I do. Yeah. And right. And so I started, you know, I booked a couple of commercials and I booked a couple of voiceover things first um but i didn't get my first professional like acting gig until uh 1995 oh wow as an actual actor so how long were you in new york before that happened five five years wow five years and i auditioned a bunch and then i started I, i did a couple indie films and then i started auditioning for i remember they were like you do some sitcom audition for some sitcoms i was like no I'm a serious actor. Of course, I needed the money. I needed a job, and and I was like, yeah, but yes, I'll read for a sitcom. And um, and then I, I read for a bunch of pilots. It wasn't until '96 that I I booked a pilot with Kevin Pollak. Um, he was the star of this pilot for Warner Brothers for CBS, and uh, um, whom I'm still friends with. Uh, Did that entail L.A. trips? Like, was so I, pilot so that, season go to L.A. kind I of was pilots? Doing, doing it in new york and then flew out to la to do this pilot yeah flew out to la to test for it um back in the day they'd fly you out here to test for the pilot so i flew out tested got it stayed did the pilot thought like everything's changing then went back to new york and then nothing changed yeah um you know the show didn't happen whatever but i started testing more frequently for shows and i started spending you know, like that, I remember that next year I tested for like five pilots. Then the next year I tested for like eight pilots. And every year I was testing for a lot. Uh, I was getting closer and closer for stuff. Um, and then I did, I continued to do a couple like indie films in there. And then it was 99. I did a pilot with Mike O'Malley, our friend. And, uh-huh. and uh, he had a big uh, pilot deal at um, NBC. And that one went too, didn't it? And that one, that one ended up going. And we did seven episodes. The only two of them aired, and we got canceled. Mm-hmm. Again, it was one of those like, "This is going to happen." Finally, everything's solved, and boom. Yeah, no. yeah. And it was just a lot of that uh, until it's such a until, weird thing too, because you are being successful. Like in terms of like what you set out to do, you yeah. are being wildly successful. Yeah. Just in getting to do that, but it's still just like shoving your dick in the dirt. You know, like just like. Totally. All right, here we go. Um, it's 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 of course you're right. You're being and and 
that didn't escape me. I didn't feel like a failure. Like I, I knew what the numbers were. I'd gone to school with a million people. I knew tons of actors who weren't getting work or getting even the opportunity. So the fact that I was getting the opportunity was a big deal. I yeah. understood that, but it did feel at a certain point after years, it was like, in what way is the, di- in what shape is the disappointment going to come in this time? Yeah. Is it gonna, and is it's it gonna- not, it's also too, it's not that like you're being a baby about it. The business makes you feel shitty. The business makes you feel bad about it. They come in, you start out in something. They're like, we love you. We love you. And then it's like, you know what? We don't love you and sorry, no. but you know, it's just, not, it's not good. It's not good. And that's the feeling you get from these people. It's not like, well, you know, it's this mysterious concoction and who knows and sorry, but we still love you. It was, it's just like, we love you. Oh no. You know what? Fuck you. Get out. And, yeah. and you it's know, hard it's, not to take it personally. Yeah. It's very hard not to take it personally. And yet I understood, I understand too, that, that I, that, that ultimately would be my demise. If you do take it personally, that you've yeah. got to, you've got to find a way to redirect that. And, and that's always been, I feel lucky that I've been able to do that. I, I will say, um, I don't know why maybe again, it's just sort of this naivete or something that I have, but I've managed to, I've had a lot of disappointments, uh, certainly professionally in my life, and um, that's okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I I don't. As I've gotten older too, I've gotten a better job of. Uh, I've talked about this a lot. I, I I don't. I I don't sort of gauge how I am as or where I'm at as a person emotionally or mentally or whatever is is not is not indexed to um, my profession and yeah. how I'm doing professionally. It's just not and. Because I know it's not a recipe for success um, emotionally. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, so I had a lot of disappointment. It wasn't until rest of development that I actually like got the, but even <laughs> I will say, I talked about this with somebody, uh, maybe I talked about Dax, but I, 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 the day I got arrested, the day that arrested development happened uh, and I actually got it coming out of great, uh, failure because I'd been fired from a show the year before, which felt really crushing. Um, is this 2000, sh- 2001? This is, 2000, this is early 2003. Oh, 2003. Okay. Yeah. I had done a pilot the year before. I'd done a pilot the year before and, bef- and the, the year before. I'd done one almost every year and I did one with uh, Sherry O'Terry that got uh-huh. that did not get picked up and then I did one with um at CBS called Still Standing and I that did get picked up and then I was fired or I, my character was written out but in effect I was fired yeah and it was a real bummer and I then uh a year later had that not happened I wouldn't have been available for rest of development um which changed everything and but the day I found out that I that it was going and that it was going to series and that I was on the show it was like years, it felt different and years of frustration kind of melted through. And I actually, I actually wept. After. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's sweet. Yeah, I really did. I, I actually like cried really hard. Wow. Um, because it was, it was frustrating and it was hard kind of keeping your chin up. Um, and I, I'm sure a lot of people will listen and be like, oh, shut up. You fucking love people are like actors. I'm like, you know what, man? It's not easy. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's not easy. You take a lot of fucking 
lot of water come. You take on a lot of water in this thing. It's a, it's a, you gotta, it's always weird to me. Like one thing that's that, and I still haven't figured it out is that really, truly people doing this for a living. And I mean, and I, and I mean, all different walks of performer type, because there are lots of different types of performers. Sure. Yeah. 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 But they're, they're like, almost everybody has issues with rejection. Almost Mm -hmm. everybody like cannot take it, like has it like a higher sort of like it hurts more. So we go into this fucking business. That's a rejection party. It's crazy to me, you know? And then the part that even goes further is, and then, and then there's, award shows where the people who have actually really done very, very well and overcome that rejection parade set themselves up for more rejection. hundred percent. Where there's like, oh, there are, you know, there's eight people, but only one gets to feel good. And the rest of you get to feel bad because you lost, you know, 100%. And I don't put any stock anymore in those, especially those award things, you know, they're just weird. The the Emmys, uh, and I'm sure there'll be like Emmy voters like, well, I'll definitely never vote for right. you now. Okay, but fine. I'm like, okay, I'm I have I've been nominated this year. We're, I don't know what's happening with BoJack yet, but like we, I've been nominated between actor and producing BoJack seven times. Yeah, never fucking won. And I'm like, so what? Who yeah. fucking cares? And people are like, yeah, yeah, that's easy to say. I mean it. And yeah. they asked me to do, this is probably controversial, not really controversial um, in the scope, grand scope of things, but, you know, Bojack was nominated and they wanted me, and I've just never won and they never, they asked us to do like a thing for the voters and stuff. And I just said, nah, I'm not into it. No, thanks. Wow, they, you should do it. It's a, Netflix would like you to do this. And I was like, nah, uh, I'm kind of done with that. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Fucking forget it. Why? To go and do a thing for this uh, panel for the thing. Fuck that. Who fucking cares? Who fucking cares? And it's, and the people that will tell you, because I've had friends that have kind of been in Oscar running kind of stuff. And that's the really, like, people. That's crazy. Yeah. People don't know, but like, if you're in a movie, you get, you get cast in a really good movie and you're, it's a really good part and you do really well and people start to say, you might win an Oscar. That means for, I don't know, six months, you have yeah. to go to a constant stream of parties and shaking hands and kissing ass and just dinners with strangers. Just as it's this campaign, you're running for office to maybe get an Oscar, which what it does for you, it makes you feel good. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking, uh, you know, hypothetically, it, it makes you feel good. It puts your rate up. You can make more money. But ultimately what it does is it brings cachet to the people who own the thing. You For know? sure. Also, like, nobody's going to remember. You you don't remember who won last year, do you? No. Who cares? It's got, I guess, for the person. But, uh, again, like, maybe the person, especially with an Oscar on a different level, maybe there is that thing like a two-time Oscar winner, blah, blah, blah. Does that, that feels good. But what does it really bring you and when you got to go do i remember hearing about a guy who's a, a still a very active director writer and he won a couple of years ago and somebody said he's the best campaigner this dude they said that yeah. he goes he started in like october 
He goes to all these dinners. He goes tirelessly. He goes to screenings every night and he talks about it and he ended up winning. And people were like in this town were saying, yeah, he won. It was good, but he worked it till the end. And I'm like, well, then he didn't win by the merits of. Right. Did he win an acting award or a campaigning award? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, how can, I guess he can feel better about it, but he knows yeah. That he won because he did all that shit. Would it have won without it? Like they should, there should be no campaigning allowed. Yeah. It should be just, and the other thing is, you know, people say, I, again, I've never been a part of a film like that. And so I don't know what that process is like, but they, they you start in October and they're not getting paid um, to do that either. Yeah. You know, so that's just, they can't work. They're just doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel bad for yeah. you, by the way. I'm just I'm just too curmudgeonly for it. And Me too. I, well, and it's like you were gonna say, like, who's ultimately what's it gonna matter in the long run? Like who yeah. like at the end of your life, is it gonna I I don't think I ever told you this, but like this is this when this happened. I had elderly relatives and I was look I that were in assisted living and I needed to find them a new assisted living place. And so I was looking at all these different going and touring them, and there was this one kind of far flung out, you know, in LA, like not close and, and sad. Like basically it was, it was like the cheaper, one of the cheaper ones and you get what you pay for. Cause yeah. it was just like old people sitting, staring into space <sighs> and, and it was a bummer. And, I, but the lady, the super chipper lady, cause they all kind of have, you know, like salespeople that are like, you're going to love it. And then it's like, Oh no, I'm not. It smells like pee and everyone seems sad. Um, but she stopped. We were walking down a hallway and there was a woman sitting again, just an elderly woman staring into space. And, uh, she stopped in front of her. Like she was a museum display pointed at her and said, three time daytime Emmy winner. And then we walked on. Oh, I was just like, oh my God, if you wanted to, if you were trying to bum me out, lady, you, lady, you could not have done a better job. Oh my God. Three daytime, three time, day, day, many, any winner. Oh my God. Oh. That's one of, that's one of the worst things I've ever heard. Oh, it was really like, it's like, it was like one of those things that was so awful. It was exciting. You know what I mean? Like I was like <laughs> kind of jazzed by it. Like, oh my God, that's such a bummer. That's such a bummer. Like, wow. I know. Thank you, life. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's such an embarrassment. Well, again, it is, to get back to our original thing, it was, it's such a ultimately constantly demeaning um, business to be in <laughs> on yeah, so many yeah. levels. And, and uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. There are days where it's just, you're just like, oh god, it's such a bummer. Yeah. Such did, a is this what did you set out to do? Do you are you did you have like a like a thing in mind or or you know were you kind of just catch as catch can and see where this goes? Yeah. You know, I I think that I I used to joke that I you know wanted to be a ser- I wanted to be a serious actor. I wanted people to take me seriously when I was young, um, and uh, and then I kind of fell into doing comedy by mistake um, or that people laughed at my serious acting. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, but I didn't really have a plan. I mean, I, I, one of my regrets is 
that I never got into sketch comedy early. Yeah. And, and then I never did it. And um, because I think I, I would have really liked it. And you would have been just, really the, good. I mean, you are good at it. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, because it's Arrested is like, yes, it's a sitcom, but it's also sketches. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. yeah, of course it's sketches. Yeah. yeah. And so like all you guys who, who are from Chicago or went to Chicago, um, you know, especially when when uh, Amy and I started dating and I sort of meeting all you guys, like I was like, oh, there was this whole world I would have loved to have been part of that. Yeah. To just to just fuck around. You know me. I just want to fuck around all it's, the time. It's it was the best. It was it was just, you know, like that those days of, of youth of just being around like you're you know, you spend your whole life doing whatever and thinking, ah, maybe I can do this. And then all of a sudden you're just around all these fucking weirdos that are just like you that just want to fuck around and have fun. When I see pictures of like, when I see pictures of you guys and you and like stack and like all and McKay and all those guys, all you guys back in Chicago, back in the day and Besser and Ian and Walsh and whatever. And I always like, I'm like, Oh, that was like, the boat I missed, like yeah. the party I missed. And I, and I loved, I, I never tire of you telling me like stories of IO and like the water leaking and Sharna freaking out or whatever the fuck it yeah, is. Yeah, like yeah, some yeah, weird. Yeah. I'm always like, that's, that's the thing I wish I had done. That's my, yeah. honestly, it's my only kind of regret. Yeah. Do you think, and, and when you, when you and Amy started dating, was that, and well, you obviously said that was kind of when it opened up your mind to that. Did it also yeah. open up you up to the notion of being a comedian more? Or was- I think I, I was already starting to do, well, I was already starting to do sitcom pilots and, and stuff. So I was kind of in that moving in that direction as well as simultaneously. Um, we, you know, Amy and I started dating about, seven, eight months before, uh, she started on SNL. Mm-hmm. Um, I had kind of moved briefly to LA to get out of New York. And, um, and then she came into LA and we started dating when I was living in LA. And then she was basically kind of living in LA. And, and then all of a sudden she was like, I think I'm going to do SNL. And I said, okay, let's go. And I got rid of the apartment in LA and moved back to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was in that time that I started doing more. But at the same time, it opened my eyes to it, certainly. But uh, then I started doing a play in New York. At one point, I was doing this play in New York before, right before I got Arrested Development. And um, and then Arrested came out of the blue. But that it all kind of happened at the same time. For the first couple of years that Amy was on SNL, I was there was a moment where I thought I was, I'm, I'm just going to keep doing my voiceover stuff and maybe I'll just never make it as an actor and that's okay. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of at weird peace with it. Um, yeah. Doing this play and I just thought, oh fuck, I hated it. And I, the, was it the a writer drama? Play, it was a drama and yeah, they hated, yeah. she hated me, the the writer of this play. And it was just like an awful, awful. I've, whenever I've done anything that's been sore, well, I've done very little just like straight up drama and it's always like, I'm always amazed. Like no one wants to have any fun. Like, you know, like <laughs> it's the, the difference of a set of the set of like that. Whenever I've done something like that, I'm like, wow, what, what, when do we start like goofing around? You know, like when do we start, 
Like during the during the run throughs where we're not filming anything, like where we start fucking around with the lines and teasing each other and doing funny accents. Like never? Really? This is never you people do this all day? You just act all serious about this? And you believe, you know, and it's always been like TV shit. So it's always like the dumbest, you know, like. Well, you know what's weird about that? First of all, I mean, right. We, and you and I have been on enough of those sets and sets like that together with, with enough funny people where it's like everybody wants to fuck around, you know. Yeah. As you know, in, on Arrested with Mitch, like Mitch wants to fuck around too. Absolutely. He It's like. Yeah, I guess we got to do this scene, and then let's meet back at Video Village so we can do bits on each right, other. Right, right. I know. Like, it almost sometimes the work gets in the way of, of like what you really are doing there, which is totally, fucking around, you know? Totally. Totally. Totally, yeah. totally. And then so I'm, there's this thing I'm thinking about doing this actually um, serious movie in the next couple months, and it's weird that we're talking about this because I guess, I guess last night before, as I was kind of drifting off to sleep, I was thinking about what is my approach going to be on set? Because I think I am going to do this thing. And I thought, I, this is quite serious. And like, because on set, as you know, I and just in life, but we're the same. We both fuck around a lot. Yeah. And, and I'm this thing is quite serious. I'm going to have to concentrate quite hard. <laughs> and <laughs> what is my, who's my set persona? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And you got to feel it out too, because you want to be respectful of other people's, processes yeah Yeah. you know and so you know so there are going to be some people that probably don't well i mean there's a lot of actors that aren't they don't have great senses of humor like you know i mean there's a lot of actors with no sense of humor especially about themselves so boy you're yeah that would be that would be interesting to see going into that situation how much you can really fuck around yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be. Right. Well, tell Scorsese I said hi. Oh, I will. Yeah. By the, by the way, it's just M-Dog. <laughs> that's what he likes. By the way, that's what he likes. I was drinking coffee. I almost did a spit take there. Yeah. Cradle him like a baby. He's a little fella. Well, now, do you have, uh, I mean, are there unfulfilled ambitions? Are there things that, like, you wish you were doing that you you know like one of these days i mean you're doing this dramatic movie that sounds like yeah that's kind of something that's been yeah i've been doing that i'm, I'm i mean i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do you know I mean, that's I'm, been a desire i guess is what you know yeah. yeah but it's not one of those like i can't wait to show the world there's yeah. none there, i have zero if if i that's had a young any, person's thing anyway yeah yeah it's gone and my sort of i really just Think about like how can I be just happy today? I just want to spend time with the kids as much as I can, and yeah, uh, and screw around and and um, you know I'm doing the podcast now with Jason and Sean, which has been fun. And um, I bet that's fun. I do I do envy you guys getting to be there with it, each other. That's nice, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's it exactly. It's just fun, and if it wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. Yeah, and so we're doing that, and then um, whose idea was that? Mine. Yours. Yeah. Well. Well, I had an idea. I was going to do a podcast. I was thinking about it after I did uh, Conesies. Yeah. And uh, I'd been thinking about it a little bit before, and then I did Conesies, and then I was like, and then uh, and then Sean, I told Bateman, and then Bateman told Sean, and then Sean called me and said, I know you want to do a podcast. Let's all do one together. 
And I was like, well, wait a second. I was going to do one. My, and they're like, I know, but we're going to do it together. And I was like, and okay. I'm such a pushover. You I got bullied on, right? into it. <laughs> I know. I really did. Yeah. By the big, then, biggest bullies in show business, Sean Hayes <laughs> and Jason Bateman. <laughs> and, we, and it just, we got, we got together the week before kind of everything stopped in the world and talked about it. And then the world stopped and we're like, you know what? Kind of like, yeah, I guess we should do it now because we're all just at right. home. Yeah. And that's, and that's how we started. And, um, so I've been doing that. And then I just been, you know, I've been writing a lot more. We've Mark Chappell, my Chappie, my partner and I, we've written a couple of movies. We sold a couple. And, uh, so we've been doing that and that's been fulfilling in different ways. Yeah. Um, it's been great. I don't know. I kind of feel like I'm doing what I want to do. And, you know, I did last year. I did this Lego show, which the kids, which was really popular with kids, and and I'm really happy. It was family. fun. It's a fun it show. Fun show. A lot of yeah. families watched it together during quarantine, which was nice to hear. Um, I had a lot of fun doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we'll do more of those. And and um, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know. I, I wish I had a better plan. I sh- I should have had a plan all these years. I don't. I honestly don't think. I don't think that that's the way to go. I think that I, and I've said this before, I think it's the focus just on kind of a process, you know, like to your process that you take to different situations and then remain open to things. I mean, there are some people that it works where they cannot, like there are people that I've known in my life where they're like, I gotta be, I gotta write this screenplay and then I gotta direct this thing and I gotta, 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 you know, yeah. And I that's just and I would look at them and I would think like, oh, I wish I had a little of that. But then yeah. I just realized, no, there I'm just a different type. I'm kind of like a I a I like to collaborate. A I like to I don't like to be alone that much. I have a drive to want to be acknowledged as you know my own uh, entity, separate from that motherfucker Conan. Um, but. <laughs> That was the most real you've been this whole time. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, but I there are I times like I, you know, but but I've been like the star of a sitcom and it doesn't it wasn't that great. Like it wasn't no. for me. I like I like being part of the group, you know, and that's yeah. more fun because I, I care more about the doing of the thing than the having the thing or the thing being out there. I, uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. I care way more about the doing too. Is is it a good experience? Is it fun? And uh, yeah, I'm the same way. I like to spend time with people I love yeah. and who make me laugh. And um, I was talking to my buddy this morning, and he was saying, uh, he was saying, what a great gift to be able to look at the world that every day you're trying to. I was saying something about we were talking about like looking for the what the bit is or what the funny he goes you're so lucky that you spend so much of your time every day looking for the laugh yeah it's a great it's a great perspective of life and you do too and it keeps you keeps you going i i mean what's the alternative the alternative is a fucking bummer man yeah yeah i'd always rather laugh and people say to me all the time this other buddy always goes like jokingly he'll say you know grow up and i go why yeah yeah why would I? Yeah, what are you talking? What does that even mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I do bits that most 50-year-old dudes don't do that would be embarrassing for, like, what a 50-year-old should yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. I act like a fucking punk teenager a lot of the time. Yeah. And I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. 
Although your skateboarding skills have really, <laughs> really terrible. Fucking, well, yeah, I yeah. basically cannot skateboard. Yeah. You've broken your hip like six times. It's not great. It's not a great look, but I dress real young. <laughs> oh, too young, if you ask me. People look at me and they go, that guy's young. Oh, no, <laughs> wait. Oh, wait, wait a second. Wait, we got oh, closer. Wait. We got within 20 feet. Oh, Jesus. He's old. It must be an undercover cop or something. <laughs> well, I mean, we kind of got to like sort of, you know, the have fun is sort of the the what have you learned part of this uh, this podcast yeah and it's and it's you don't have to follow you don't need to follow the 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 rules right no not really although when i started out the people that were like the executives who were like 15 years younger than me were you know like had notes for the show which i i mean basically it's like look i'm gonna talk to fucking people about their lives that's it like that's kind of it but there was a couple like couple notes early on after i did the first one so we're like you haven't really explicitly answered the three questions or you know like gotten to the three questions and maybe you should split it up into like 20 minute chunks and i just was like yeah yeah that's a good note fuck that and then just i didn't ever do it but what i mean what what kind of a soul crushing existence was there some the the notes process sometimes uh, crazy it's crazy to me. Yeah. People got, it's their job to tell somebody something like that's, and that's what, and I can't imagine what it's like to be into something where, you know, you hire somebody like you and then, and then like have to tell you how to be you and do you, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's mind blowing to me. Mind blowing. Yeah. Well, but anyway, what have, what have you learned? Come on, I I got to answer these people. Oh, okay, well, sorry. The thing I've learned, I've just learned, uh, I think, to not take myself too seriously. Yeah. Um, to not take all of it too seriously, and of course, you do. There are things, you know, that you have to. You want to do a good job. You want things to be good. If you're working on something, you want it to be good. But, um, and you want to be professional, whatever the fuck that means. Uh. But you got to have a sense of humor about yourself, no matter what it is. And I don't know. I've, I've, I, I guess I've kind of coming back to what we were talking about before. I, I guess because my my dad, my parents, but specifically my dad, it made me kind of go through my paces enough as a kid and as a teenager and a young man that uh, I don't. I got a kind of a good sense of who I am as a person. Um, and I'm not defined by what I do. And, and I don't think I'm a lot different than I was when I first started doing this stuff. I'm not that much different of a person as I was when I was 20. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I, I didn't know you when you were 20, but I would say that if anything, you're just like kind of calmer. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're just, yeah, you're like more patient and kind of just more, centered and um not as much not as much of an asshole you know yes that's it no you can name it for sure for sure (laughs) i was kidding but i know you were yeah uh yeah i think that that's it i i think i've learned to just you know take it all in stride and that that nothing is forever either that's the other thing 
we, we, we attach so much importance to things as they happen and in the moment. And I think that I used to be like, oh shit, this is the way it's going to be. By the way, good or bad. Yeah. It's always going to be like this or it's always going to be shitty like this. And that life just kind of, as it keeps moving, things change and it's yeah. nothing, nothing's forever. Yeah. Um, so s- stay, stay flexible. Yeah. You know, stay gold, pony boy. Yeah. 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 yeah that too. Whatever. I don't know. I'm just oh, trying man. to seem young <laughs> by quoting 80 year old books. <laughs> well, I love you. And love this you is too. really exciting to get to talk to you. And I hope, uh, you know, maybe we should do a socially distanced hang sometime. Let's hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I got to see that baby. I, know, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll touch it with a six foot long stick, like a, uh, you know, like a broom handle. We'll, we'll, I'm going to send over some plaster of Paris and we'll get a mold of your hand <laughs> and then we'll, so we can put it on the end of the stick. Sure, so sure, it can, sure. You know what I mean? Right. I actually, I actually, I, there are molds on my hand, but they're fist shaped. They're available on the internet. They're in silicone. Uh-oh. Uh, so I can just get you one of those. Uh, oh, oh, Roxanne, you don't have to paint your nails tonight. <laughs> Whatever the lyrics are. Whatever. All right. Well, Will Arnett, um, thank you for, for doing this. Uh, and your podcast is called? Smartless. Uh, As in less smart. Yes, yeah, smartless. Right, less smart. Because um, I would have gone with like the three dipshits. Uh, <laughs> it was taken. <laughs> yeah, that's but, Barbara. That's Barbara Boxer's podcast. Uh, uh, thanks for having me, man. Sure. I love you, Andy. I miss you, too. I miss you very much. And, uh, and thank you all for listening. Uh, to this episode of The Three Questions. And there will be another one next week. There's nothing anyone can do about it. I've got a big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It's produced by me, Kevin Bartelt, executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, associate produced by Jen Samples and Golitsa Hayek, and engineered by Will Becton. And if you haven't already, make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.